This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me today, we have a very special guest. It's not the man, the myth, the legend, but it is another man, myth, and legend okay. in the making. Okay, we're right, talking bro. about someone, <laughs> if you have watched our YouTube videos, if you have seen our editing for something like our Juneteenth virtual events, all of that is done by our incredible video producer who is stepping from behind the camera and stepping in front of the camera and in front of the mic. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Ryan Gentry. Ryan, thank you for joining us here. No problem. Mike. Man, this is an honor to have you yeah, on the I'm, show. I'm excited. It, it's crazy. I, I listened to it for a long time. I listened to the show for a while when I was uh, when I discovered it. And now I'm, I'm sitting across from... At Burns Clan, <laughs> who I follow at my own risk. It's crazy. This is funny because, <laughs> Ryan, you were the person who reached out and said, hey, do y'all need any video help? Do you need any video production help? You sent your portfolio in. And so it was really like you shot your shot. Yeah. And it just so happened to we were looking at our message request. We saw it and it built up this friendship, this connection. And now you're part of our team. You're on our retreats. And so what? What's your story? I want to hear your story first, because we're talking Ooh. about Gen Z faith. And so give us a background of, you know, how you got to this place. Ooh, like professionally or? or Man, it could be anything. Anything? Let's see. Uh, I was born in Detroit uh, when I was 1997. Shout out. Hey. And uh, yeah, moved around a lot as a kid, eventually settled in Phoenix, Arizona with my family. And uh, I was six years old when we moved out there. Grew up going to a really white, very private Christian school, mm-hmm. um, first grade through 12th grade. Yeah, kind of developed my my relationship with God there, sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And then I really started taking things seriously. I got to college, kind of had a, a bit of a crisis of faith, I would say. Decided to start investigating who Jesus was, investigated my own ethnic identity as well, because realized there was a lot of trauma and a lot of yeah. harm from my my days in high school. And uh yeah, I think I think I came out of college as a as a confident black Christian man and um, continue to learn about Jesus every day. Yeah, or and at least try to. What was the that ethnic identity discovery for you? What was was there a singular moment, or were there moments that led up to that? Um, I think we. I mean, we heard you and Jamar spoke about this earlier of the idea of developing your your racial identity, and there was a most of my life, I would say, up until. I got to college was that sort of idea of, oh, I'm just me. Let me just be me, especially because mm. I'm, I'm biracial. So I'm like, I'm not white. I'm not black. I'm just, I'm just Ryan. I'm just me. I'm, or I'm an American, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, who cares about that kind of thing? Uh, in the, in the culture that I was raised in and around the idea of pointing out and specifying race was seen as a bad thing. Right. Um, and then when I was in college, I was a member of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Yeah. We went to our fall retreat and the speaker was a guy by the name of Michael Kim Eubanks. And he was a black man. He was explaining and pointing out the idea of your 
your race and your ethnicity as being something that if you're creating God's image, that's, that's part of that image as well. Um, That is something that's intended and you were created with that. And the idea of my race, my ethnicity being something that's God designed was incredibly freeing, Hmm. incredibly freeing. Yeah. Um, and so affirming. And, uh, I walked out of that feeling so proud of who I was as a creation, as, as an image bearer of God. Yes. That, um, I didn't, I didn't want, I, f- I felt like it would be unfair for me to, to suppress that identity or, or wow. to not take note of that. Cause it's an incredible thing. That's so freeing to hear you say that. And now as a, you're 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 24. Okay. So 24. <laughs> Dude, I, lo- I lose time with the nah, pandemic all the time. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, t- I'm 21 years old. You're <laughs> old soul. That's what that means. You're old, mature soul. But so 24 years old, young black Christian, and you're trying to, as you said, walk out what it means to follow Jesus and to be authentic to yourself. And it's really what we do here at The Witness. We try to be uncompromisingly Christian. We try mm-hmm. to be unapologetically black. We try to build community and collective together. And I brought you on the show because I felt like your perspective as a black Christian man who's younger than us, who's in a different generational demographic or bracket, whichever sociologists want to call it. But I feel like you have this interesting perspective on what we may not see and what others may not see. Because for many people, they would look at your generation and say, there's no God consciousness. There's no interest in the faith. There's no interest in Jesus. And so the first question I want to ask is what what does faith look like for your generation? What does faith look like for your circle of influence, your friends? And, and recognizing that you don't speak for everyone in your age group. Sure. You don't speak for everyone in your generation. But what does it typically look like for you? Um, I would say zoomed out widespread. I think a major part about Gen Z is sort of a general spirituality, hmm. um, which older generations, I feel like you either identify with a specific faith system or you identify as agnostic or something going through college. A lot of my friends consider themselves like universalists, you know, whatever works for you. I think we all end up in the same place, maybe a general afterlife idea. And then among, uh, my, my Christian friends and, and my Christian community, I think something that I'm trying to at least be conscious of is not making compromises. I think we're, we're sort of out of the the heavy evangelical sure. uh, phase, especially because a lot of us recoiled from that after being yeah, raised of course, in a of course. private school context. But I'm trying to work on knowing and living in who Jesus is, mm-hmm. but also making sure that I'm I'm loving other people um, and not necessarily evangelizing with, with fire and brimstone, but evangelizing with love, I yeah. would say. So love is a priority. Absolutely. And love is central. Have you seen that as people go through college, step out of college, that their faith journey changes, that something drastically shifts? Has, has there been a shift or has there been an expansion or has it always just been, hey, it's just a general spirituality. If it works for you, it works for you, it may not work for me. And then how has that influenced Christian friends and, you know, Jesus following friends? I think people tend to lose their faith and and some friends of mine have sort of stopped going to church or that sort of thing because of the church's uh, lack of action in certain justice spaces, I would say. I think um, I was talking with a buddy of mine 
who we went through university together and he kind of hasn't been uh, looking at churches or anything like that. And we sort of shared this, this moment of hurt. This was back in 2020 of like, yeah, man, I was, I was looking at churches cause I laid roots in this new city that I moved after college and nobody had even mentioned George Floyd. Nobody wow. had even mm. mentioned um, the marches and the protests and the movement that's going on in this moment. Um, and even when I was looking for churches, a personal point of harm for me was, you know, tuning in on their YouTube stream and maybe there's a nod to it or something, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, maybe we just, if we all really love Jesus enough, um, mm-hmm. change will come mm-hmm. or we will be able to get mm-hmm. through the pain of this moment yeah. instead of, you know, looking at those people that are hurting and say like, I hurt with you. I grieve with you or I celebrate with you when there's victory. Um, so that's something that I think, unfortunately, a lot of other communities are, are doing better than the church right now. And I think that's why people, um, Gen Z specifically, I'm kind of an old Gen Z. So I guess, right. Right. I don't know. Uh, very relationship based. And so when someone's not coming alongside you in, in pain or in joy, uh, you're sort of, what's, what's wow. the point? I'll, yeah. I'll go find another community for that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's convicting too, because a lot of times we don't see it as we're so convictions based often in the church and we're like, Hey, if you just, if you believe these things, you'll be in church, you'll come every Sunday, you'll join, you'll be. And it's almost like, you should know this, you should know this. And it's, we're missing relationship and love and care and concern and, and empathy. Yeah. We, really. we wear that identity a lot. I think, um, if you, especially if you're raised in the church like me, you sort of assume, yeah, we're we're Jesus followers. We love people, so if someone needs love, they'll they will come here. Um, and then, you know, reading like Color Compromise and, right, and things like that, right. seeing the church's complicity in, in systems, sort of opened my mind to the idea of like, oh, what if what if somebody's gone through life and they see the church as a place of immense pain. Um, hmm. That's not where they want to go if they want to feel healed. That's not where they want to go if they want to feel welcomed and loved. Um, and that was, like you said, very convicting for me. Um, yeah. And it's reasons I, why I'm, I guess, kind of probably very Gen Z with me, very church cynical and church critical. Right, right. Uh, because I know we can be better. I know we can do better. Yeah. What else do you think leads to that apathy? And And maybe I want to zoom back here. I'm assuming that race matters to Gen Z. Does it? Yes, I would I would say so. Um and and by race mattering I mean this this conversation, like this entire conversation of race and racial justice and is very entrenched in a millennial context and I know Gen Z has been very vocal on the front lines of protests and marches and justice movements, but does it matter as much as we think it does? I so <laughs> this I don't I don't know how this take is, but I I think we're starting to tread the area of it mattering uh, too much mm-hmm. in the sense that it's brought into context um, where that's necess- not necessarily the thing that is the, the pressure point there. Um, I mentioned ah, gotcha. how I'm, I'm worried about uh, I work with high school students at my at my church and a lot of the things that um, is thrown around by primarily uh, white students is, you know, oh, that's racist because you mention I don't know, the color of a marker or something. Right. Uh, there's sort of this over-tuned, over-sensitivity to, like, the idea. Um, and I think when people are bringing that variable in too much, 
you you devalue systems that are let's say actually racist hmm. like mm-hmm. hey choosing to use a black marker on a whiteboard none of there's no race involved there right. that's actually just the color of a marker right there's no systems there's no right. power dynamics that's like hey i can see this better <laughs> on a board right. and then when these students hear uh i don't know black men are are tremendously more incarcerated at much higher rates yeah. than than white men that's racist suddenly doesn't mean anything because you just ah, used it to you. describe yeah. Yeah. a marker and a whiteboard yeah so the devaluing of of the offense of racism mm-hmm. or the normalizing of language yeah it's more of a norm yeah, yeah yeah it's more of a normalization of language i would say <laughs> than an actual the the matter of race wow so what is the church missing and I want to make church general and broad right now. Mm. And then I'll kind of zoom in a little bit, but because I think this is really helpful. What's the church missing about Gen Z that we are just not paying attention to? We don't care about. We're not in tune with. What are we missing? Speaking, I guess I, it's, it's tough for me to zoom out because I guess I live in a very tiny bubble no, still to this yeah, day. Absolutely. Uh, I would say a lot of times. Gen Z is underestimated, um, mm. specifically on uh, understanding what your point is. Like, just oh, just love Jesus, and then the problems will, you know, you'll you'll figure out what to do next. And I think people tend to believe that Gen Z is not hearing that part. And I think in the case of of, of Gen Z Christians, it's like, no, I under I understand that, um, and I have that. What is the next steps? Wow. Because you can you can love Christ. And I think, if anything, that should spur you on to practical action. Um, it's not just a moderate approach of that box is checked and then we'll see what falls into place from that. That should be your catalyst for, I love Christ. What does he do in his ministry? How does he care for the poor? How does he care for the sick? What does he say about wealth? Um, and so I don't think churches are necessarily realizing that maybe we have that part down. Not completely. It's an right. everyday journey. But right. maybe we are we are ready for the next step in that, or we're hungry for the next step in that. I think what you're saying is so profound because what you're saying is Gen Z can handle complexity. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? <laughs> and we can handle complicated things. And so I think we're assuming that we have to make this something that it's not. And we have to do this in a way that is so, I don't know, I think we're, we're doing church in a way that insults your intelligence. <laughs> You know, and makes it seem as though you can only handle certain things when really all of life, your formation as an adult has been in the midst of a global pandemic <laughs> yeah, with racism, war, terrorism, all kinds of things that you have necessarily had to deal with complexity to survive. So now why would we not think that's a part of your theology? Wow, this is really helpful, man. Let's take a break and then let's come back. <laughs> And uh, we'll catch our breath, and then we'll be right back here with Ryan Gentry on Pastor Mike.
Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode, just a dollar? now that's the bare minimum, that's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, 10, higher. 15, 20, right. 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. So, Ryan, we're back here on uh, Pass the Mic, and we've been talking about Gen Z and faith. And you were mentioning something about church structure and kind of how things are set up for Gen Z believers to experience faith in Jesus. Yeah, I think um, kind of like we were talking about before the break, this idea of we're ready for complexity. I also think Gen Z isn't, doesn't respond as well to uh, just straight up messages from the pulpit being a, an hour and a half on s- Sunday type of mm-hmm. faith. Um, small groups, I think, are huge, yeah. uh, both because we have questions. We want to know more. We want to challenge things, or at least personally, yeah. I do. Um, so I like taking notes on Sunday and hearing that message, but I also like being able to meet up with friends afterwards or later that week, if it's people from the church and say, I don't know how I feel about this statement or push back on something Mm. or have Mm. something clarified. Mm. Um, or I feel like it's the marker of a lot of older generations where, you know, that, that hour on Sunday is good and they receive that. And, um, that's, that's awesome. I think being able so open to teaching is, is huge. But I think part of Gen Z is conflict, but not like hmm. not not harshly, not negatively, right. but which is growth. what we assume conflict is so often. Right. We have an underdeveloped relational intelligence, emotional intelligence in church circles. And so we assume that any conflict is necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's going to lead to a breaking of a relationship when it could actually strengthen, right. you know, what the foundation of it is. How have you navigated you know, your, your identity as a black man in white settings, because what I'm finding Mm. is even in Gen Z, there's a different calculus. There's a different understanding. And part of that is just, you're in the early stage of of your identity development and formation. Life hasn't hit you yet. You haven't got married, don't have kids, like all kinds of things are still swirling. You're still trying to figure out who you want to be, who you desire to be in the future. But for you, what would you say is the, is the way in which you've You've maybe experienced challenges, but also maybe been better equipped than what you expected to navigate white spaces as a young black man. I think uh, in ways that I've been equipped, I think growing up first through 12th grade in a very white school, uh, I'm very, uh, I, I, co- I code switch a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. You got the code switch skills. Uh, that's your sliders for, on a hundred. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. My, my brother and I always joke that we're, we're really good chameleons because, yeah, you know, right. we're here, we're, we're this color, here, that color. And I think that's also part of the pain of it mm. is, um, you know, growing up and hearing, oh, you don't talk black or you're, you're the whitest black person yeah, I know. Yeah. Or yeah. even in different contexts, my blackness being minimized when I want to pick up that cause. Right. Right. Or maximized to make a joke. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hearing jokes about my hair or whatever in, yeah. in high school or uh, a black joke, if I don't like that, all of a sudden, well, you're half white too. So, you know, what's, what's the big deal? Wow. Um, but then if I 
if they want to ask me something about black culture, you're black. What do you feel about it? I'm like, well, what am I, man? <laughs> like, just, just tell right, me. So, right. uh, so it's like a, a, there's very, I felt, especially with how you just described it. And this is something that I've thought before, but it's a level of identity gaslighting as well for somebody yeah. <laughs> to like look at you and, and tell you, oh, well, and, and to pick and choose what they desire to emphasize that benefits them. Yeah. And yeah. then to cause you to question implicitly your own experience and how you feel and some of the things where you're saying, okay, well, should I feel like this is okay? Or is should this I fair feel for like me to feel that? I, maybe it, I shouldn't yeah. get mad about that. Exactly. They're just, they're just joking. Right? Yeah, exactly. I so. can't, I, that, that's just a unique experience to have to navigate. I got, I got a ton of examples I could throw around, but this isn't Ryan's therapy podcast. This is, <laughs> this is past the mic. So no, nah, uh, but this is helpful. This yeah, is helpful. Yeah. I mean, going back to, to the question about being equipped for, for entering into those white spaces, I think also, uh, you know, it's the context I grew up in. So I think a lot of it, maybe I, I don't not see color, but, uh, because most of my friends growing up were white or mm-hmm. any of that, I, I don't have any problem entering mm-hmm. in those spaces. You know, you're um, whites. Yeah, I know. I, I know my whites. You man. know, you're whites. No, I mean, that's, a, and I think that's actually very important because you're touching on something that has been my experience as well. And growing up, you had to know how to navigate those spaces, know who those people are, know mm-hmm. what they mean when they say this, know what's behind it, know all these things. And so, that's fascinating to hear you say that without saying it in the way that we, the older millennials, was. <laughs> but that's fascinating to hear you say that. I'm trying to figure out what's next for Gen Z and Faith. What's kind of lurking? What are the conversations that are are happening that most people are not paying attention to or we're assuming? Because one of the most unhelpful things is we can start to flatten out everyone's concerns. Mm-hmm. And so we can just say, well, you know. Gen Z wants to talk about justice. And when you say justice, you mean race. And so that's all we mean. So we talk about we have a, a black man, a white man sit up there on the stage and have a conversation. Yeah. And so it, it's or, almost, or, the, or the chief of police yeah, or, the, or yeah, the, sheriff, right. the sheriff, which we had the, the, the sheriff in last year the, at, in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, so the sheriff or the chief of police, he sits down with the with the pastor and is like, you know, how do we learn? How do we come together? How do we, you know, consider one another? And and I think about how how ineffectual that is and weak that is because we flatten down and assume that something equals something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, they care about justice. So I mean, they care about race. So we need to do go from the playbook that we have. What are the conversations that we're just not paying attention to that are actually, and I'm not saying nobody's paying attention to them, but by and large, the church hasn't taken a lead on and they're actually dominating your circle of influence and the conversations you all have. Um, I would say LGBTQ yeah. issues are, are at the forefront of uh, something that I think Gen Z needs, wants a lot of answers to because um, mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a very contentious topic in the church, affirming or non-affirming and, right, right. and those sort of things. I don't have the answer for, for those sort of things, but I think uh, when I talk with my friends, that's something that's sort of, we're nervous about, we're curious about what, what our, right. what our leaders, what our role models in the church have to mm-hmm. say about that. Um, kind of like what you were saying of, of having those almost performative conversations mm-hmm. uh, around race. I think we care about conversations about solution, uh, not necessarily a bunch of people sitting around seeking to understand each other. Cause I think maybe I'm, over a nah, I think we ahead. understand well, each other a yeah, little bit, right? Yeah. I, I think 
we get why, like, we, we don't care if you're sitting around a, a table and one guy goes, well, we want the police to stop killing us. And then the guy goes, well, black people are scary. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. Like, my, my bad. Like, let's pass around the offering dish and move on. Like, that's, that's what are we doing? It's like, like, is this a Joyner Lucas song? Yeah. Like, what is <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, oh, now we all understand each other. Awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> what are you like, talking about? Man? Thanks for telling me to my face that it was, that, it, that, that I freak yeah. you out. Yeah. So I think productive conversations that are solution minded rather than, uh, everybody just say what the problem is because, mm. Especially with social media and how active wow. Gen Z is, we're we're inundated with what the problem. We know what the problem is, you know, hmm. police brutality or war in other countries or U.S. foreign policy or those sort of things. We know what's going on. We need to talk about solutions rather than, hmm. you know, with the church identifying and pointing, going, "We talked about it." You know, can the church actually create those solutions? Not, is it not, possible? Maybe not U.S. foreign policy, but I think. Well, and I mean, even even. Not specifically our policies, mm-hmm. but the theology that creates the policies and the theology that reinforces how people vote for the people that institute the policies. Absolutely. It do, but do, can the church even do that? Because that's one of the questions I'm asking even now. You think about emotional mental health. You mm-hmm. think about the climate. You think about LGBTQ, mm-hmm. race, justice, consumption, money. <laughs> Foreign policy. That's the, that's the gentrific- doom scrolling I'm, list right like, there. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, sure, I would love to be able to dial all these in, but can I? Mm-hmm. And can the church actually do that? Or are we actually maybe asking to do too much for ourselves to try to do too much? And in response, actually doing you all a disservice. Uh, uh, does that make sense? How do you... Can we can we figure these things out? Can we have I, solutions? I think we can. And this, I guess, this is going to sound uh, almost hypocritical given what I've said earlier, but it does all come back to Christ. It all comes mm-hmm. back to Jesus and that being your foundation. Now, not just love Christ and everything will f- fall into p- place. What are the two biggest commandments? You know, yeah, love the Lord, Lord your God with yeah, all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? People that will, yeah, will yeah. their their house will be underwater if we don't fix the climate. Hmm. People who are treated unfairly by police. People who are worried about if they'll have rights to their own bodies. People that are right. So that's good. That's good, bro. That's good. Man. Advocacy comes with the gospel. Who is the least of these? You know, and not just in America. It's across the world. That's good, man. Wow. <laughs> You got this is a strong right, rookie right. debut, man. Yeah, this, is a, this is a forty point triple may, double, may, yeah, man. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be back. We'll see. No, yeah. man. This is this is wow. That's really helpful. And for other people who are listening, who are in your age category, what do you hope that you all are able to do together? Because mm. what I've seen is that Gen Z is an extremely productive but also different, maybe a, a generation with different assessments. Like we have a certain idea of what success is and right. what hope is and what what we should celebrate. But Gen Z has a completely different approach to that and um, different ideas of, of what success looks like. And what do you hope that you all as a generation will accomplish together 
And where do you see your place being in that? I would say that I hope that the world knows us by the way that we love one another. Um, and specifically for Gen Z Christians, that when someone asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have, that we know it's Christ. And maybe not even just a reason for the hope that we have. Maybe it's, why did you show up to this march? Hmm. Why are you petitioning for this? Why did you vote that way? Hmm. Because this is the world that Jesus is instructing us to build. This yes. is the way that we prepare yes. for the kingdom. Um, so I, that's what I would say, I, how I want to continue, our generation yeah. to continue to be known for. Where are you in that? Where am I in that? Yeah, where do you feel like you're, you're positioned in that? Um, maybe instruction. I, I, I like leadership. Um, mm. so <laughs> we'll see. I, I like, I like behind the scenes leadership. I like, I like making sure other people no, look, look good. I don't know if you're so. going to be behind the scenes yeah. after this I know, podcast. I know, right? I'm, maybe I, I, <laughs> I masked off a little bit too yeah, much there. No, so. you know, I don't know if you're going to be behind the scenes after this. <laughs> the curtain this. got pulled back too much, but. No, I see yeah. that in you. Um, that's why I'm very intentional about the work that I pick. Um, that's why I reached out to the witness was because I know that I'm, I hope I'm good at something. Uh, <laughs> you are. If, you if, are. If, I hope it looks you good are. on, on you YouTube are. and everything. You are. If I'm good at something, I want to make sure that those skills are being used to further good causes and furthering the mm. kingdom. Uh, so yeah. maybe it doesn't look like me carrying a megaphone or organizing, mm. uh, necessarily, but it does manifest itself in. Wow. Good messages packaged to look to look good. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, this has been a joy, man. I, oh, yeah, it's we've, awesome. We've tried to get you on the podcast now multiple times. <laughs> I know. I've, I've been ducking you a little bit. <laughs> but, I, was, I was worried. But the reason I think is, and this is something we should say publicly, is because you're wise beyond your years. You're mature. Thank you. Um, you are doing the work, but you're also wrestling with things in a very open, curious way. And we've appreciated that since we've gotten to know you, since I've gotten to know you. And um, I just appreciate your work here on this podcast and with The Witness and how it's blessed people. I was just looking at comments from last year's June team celebration mm -hmm. and people were talking about how incredible and inspiring that was and how you put that together. It was good, right? I, I, it, was, I, I, it, was it turned out tremendous. well. Tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was tremendous. And so we want to honor you, man. But thank you. Um and I hope that this is not the first time, it's not the, the last time that you're able to actually come on this podcast and encourage people because I think you have something to say. I uh, maybe I'll be I'll be back. Maybe it's, your own podcast. This was this honestly. was pretty fun. Maybe your own maybe, podcast. Yeah. Maybe you know what I'm saying. You know, you got Bria, we got Ryan, we got some heavy we got, hitters. We got some, got some young Avengers. We got action some. Going got some I don't know what to tell you. You know what I'm saying. So watch out for Ryan. Ryan, I appreciate you, brother. Hey, appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. That boy Ryan just set off hey, a bomb. Hey, 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 look. Hey, look, Jamar, you retiring soon? <laughs> you retiring soon? Because I think I got a young Jordan. This episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Pivot with Russell St. Bernard. 
This podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as Nona Jones, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas, Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin, and so many more. Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.